Welcome back to the Hemingway List podcast, the podcast of awesomeness. Got a new setup. I've set up the microphone. I was going to say it's a new microphone, but it's not a new microphone. It just hasn't been set up for a long time. Um, but I am recording this onto the PC and I'm using Reaper to, to record. I'm not using Final Cut anymore to apply effects. I'm using Reaper effects. So it should sound different from how it ever has. Uh, I would love some feedback. Does it sound good? Does it sound better? How are you liking this setup? Uh, hopefully you can hear a better audio quality. Book 8, Chapter 14. We see in this chapter how the Count tries to stay close to his daughters because he sees that at the Bezikovs the company mostly consists of men and of ladies known for the frivolity of their behavior, although he fails in protecting Natasha from Anatole. How did you like to see this side of Ilya Rostov? Um, good, because just recently we saw him sort of throw Natasha to the wolves when they visited old man Bolkonsky, and he was too scared to even meet with the old man, and poor Natasha, you know, had a terrible experience with those with that family. He could have stayed and stuck up for her in that case, uh, so it was good to see him sticking up for her now, or looking out for her, at least. Uh, in chapter 2.5.9, and in this chapter, Natasha, while watching a performance, wasn't able to follow it due to different events in her life. What do you think is being portrayed here with this parallel? And do you think that a marriage between Andre and Natasha can still exist? Or do you think she's gone too far now, and it, if you don't, if you didn't already think that? Ripster66 says a lot is coming to a head in this chapter. The Count isn't stupid and does his best to protect Natasha, but once again falls short just as he does with his financial management. He just can't bring himself to be strict with her, just like he can't be strict about making a budget. He's a good guy, just not very effective. Natasha is still very young. Can she distinguish between love and infatuation? True friendship and flattery. She is a throbbing mass of teenage hormones, and strong emotions, of course she can't follow the opera or Madame George. It's all very surreal to her and she's in desperate need of a guiding hand or a wise mentor. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Agreed, agreed, agreed on all fronts. No pants time has this to say. I thought it was interesting and somewhat out of character for the Count to be so protective of his kids. He usually seems so easygoing and laid back and sort of unconcerned. Yeah, he does. Or not even that, he almost seems like he has a natural ability ability to avoid any conflict. Not that he's like conflict avoidant, I just think he naturally just averts it before it even comes up. He has an inclination to do that, and I think that's what we saw here. Oh, anyway, I think we should just keep reading and see what's going to happen between Anatole, Natasha, and Andre. Uh, it's a quite an unexpected love triangle, but here we are. Chapter 14 goes like this. Morning came with its cares and bustle. Everyone got up and began to move about and talk. Dressmakers came again. Maya Dmitrievna appeared and they all were called to breakfast. Natasha kept looking uneasily at everybody with wide open eyes, as if wishing to intercept every glance directed toward her and tried to appear the same as usual. After breakfast, which was her best time, Maya Dmitrievna sat down in her armchair and called Natasha and the Count to her. 
Well, friend, I have now thought the whole matter over, and this is my advice, she began. Yesterday, as you know, I went to see Prince Bolkonsky. Well, I had a talk with him. He took it into his head to begin shouting, but I am not one to be shouted down. I said what I had to say. Well, and he? asked the Count. He? He's crazy. He did not want to listen, but what's the use of talking? As it is, we have worn the poor girl out, said Maya Dmitrievna. My advice to you is finish your business and go back home to Otranoi and wait there. Oh, no, exclaimed Natasha. Yes, go back, said Maya Dmitrievna, and wait there. If your betrothed comes here now, there will be no avoiding a quarrel. But alone with the old man, he will talk things over and then come on to you. Count Rostov approved of this suggestion, appreciating its reasonableness. If the old man came round, it would be all the better to visit him in Moscow or at Bald Hills later on, and if not, the wedding against his wishes could only be arranged at Otrednoe. That is perfectly true, and I am sorry I went to see him and took her, said the old count. No, why be sorry? Being here, you had to pay your respects, but if he won't, that's his affair, said Maya Dmitrievna, looking for something in her reticule. Besides, the trousseau is ready, so there is nothing to wait for, and what is not ready I'll send after you, though I don't like letting you go. It is the best way, so go, with God's blessing. Having found what she was looking for in the reticule, she handed it to Natasha. It was a letter from Princess Mary. She's written to you. How she torments herself, poor thing. She's afraid you might think that she does not like you. But she doesn't like me, said Natasha. Don't talk nonsense, cried Maya Dmitrievna. I shan't believe anyone. I know she doesn't like me, replied Natasha boldly, as she took the letter, and her face expressed a cold and angry resolution that caused Maya Dmitrievna to look at her more intently and to frown. Don't answer like that, my poor girl, she said. What I say is true. Write an answer. Natasha did not reply and went to her own room to read Princess Mary's letter. Princess Mary wrote that she was in despair and at the misunderstanding that had occurred between them. Whatever her father's feelings might be, she begged Natasha to believe that she could not help loving her as the one chosen by her brother, for whose happiness she was ready to sacrifice everything. Do not think, however, she wrote, that my father is ill-disposed toward you. He is an invalid and an old man who must be forgiven, but he is good and magnanimous and will love her who makes his son happy. Princess Mary went on to ask Natasha to fix a time when she could see her again. After reading the letter, Natasha sat down at the writing table to answer it. Dear Princess, she wrote in French quickly and mechanically, and then paused. What more could she write after all that had happened the evening before? Yes, yes. All that has happened and now all is changing. All that has happened, and now all is changing, she thought as she sat with the letter she had begun before her. Must I break off with him? Must I really? That's awful. And to escape from these dreadful thoughts, she went to Sonia and began sorting patterns with her. After dinner, Natasha went to her room and again took up Princess Mary's letter. Can it be that it is all over? She thought. Can it be that all this has happened so quickly and has destroyed all that went before? She recalled her love to Prince Andre in all its former strength, and at the same time felt that she loved Kuragin. She vividly pictured herself as Prince Andre's wife and the scenes of happiness with him she had so often repeated in her imagination, and at the same time, aglow with excitement, recalled every detail of yesterday's interview with Anatole. Why could that be not be as well? She sometimes asked herself in complete bewilderment. Only so could I be completely happy. 
but now I have to choose, and I can't be happy without either of them. Only, she thought, to tell Prince Andre what has happened or to hide it from him are both equally impossible, but with that one nothing is spoiled. But am I really to abandon forever the joy of Prince Andre's love in which I have lived so long? Please, miss, whispered the maid, a maid entering the room with a mysterious air, a man told me to give you this, and she handed Natasha a letter. Only for Christ's sake, the girl went on, as Natasha, without thinking, mechanically broke the seal and read a letter, a love letter, from Anatole, of which, without taking in a word, she understood only that it was a letter from him, from the man she loved. Yes, she loved him. Or else how could that have happened which had happened? And how could she have a love letter from him in her hand? With trembling hands, Natasha held that passionate love letter, which Dolokhov had composed for Anatole, and as she read it, she found in it an echo of all that she herself imagined she was feeling. Since yesterday evening, my fate has been sealed to be loved by you or to die. There is no other way for me, the letter began. Then he went on to say that he knew her parents would not give her to him, for this there were secret reasons he could reveal only to her, but that if she, if she loved him, she need only say the word yes, and no human power could hinder their bliss, Love would conquer all. He would steal her away and carry her off to the ends of the earth. Yes, yes, I love him, thought Natasha, reading the letter for the twentieth time and finding some peculiarly deep meaning in each word. That evening, Maya Dmitrievna was going to the Akharovs and proposed to take the girls with her. Natasha, pleading a headache, remained at home. Oh, dear. Oh, Natasha, you silly, silly young fool uh all right i'm not going to say anything you guys head to the subreddit have a chit chat and i'll see you tomorrow